0: To choke in front of their pets to see how they react. And here she is. She's doing this sort of cough and then lay down. And here's the dog checking the vital signs. Okay. What's he gonna do? Nudge, check she's okay. Check she's okay. And he goes and gets a knife. Oh my god! He was like, I'm going to finish the job. Now, in theory, isn't dog supposed to be man's best friend? If so, that's not the kind of friend I want. So after I watched this video, I tried to recreate this experiment with our dog, with Ginger. And I'm I'm happy to say on one hand that she did not get up and go get a knife and try to finish the job. On the other hand, she didn't do anything. She didn't even come to check. She just laid on the couch and didn't even move. Ironically, it was the cat that jumped down off of a a table and came over and sniffed and licked my nose, right, (laughs) to see what was going on. The dog was like, "Eh, you're faking it. Clearly you're faking it. Or she just couldn't be bothered. I don't know. But either way, all kidding aside, I think that that life at times can feel like it's got it out for you too, right? It can feel like things are, are going badly. Maybe you really do feel like you're kind of drowning in life, like you're suffocating, like maybe your relationships are falling apart or your car breaks down or depression is just something you can't dig your way out of. Or maybe it's one health crisis after another or, or you lose your job. To no fault of your own, or maybe to a fault of your own, crazy things happen. And, or, or maybe you lose someone you love, and it can feel like this set of dominoes where you're already down, right? You're already kind of suffocating, and life just comes along anyways and picks up a knife and tries to finish the job, for lack of a better term. I don't know about you, but when you have those seasons in life, it can feel like God's missing, Like he's not present or he's not watching or he doesn't have a plan. The thing is, and and I want this to be clear as we begin kind of this new year and the second week of the new year, as we begin this, that he does have a plan. He does have a desire. And to do that for you and, and for you to succeed and for you to get through this life without it feeling like it's beating you down because he offers an opportunity for a hope that cannot be extinguished, that cannot be overcome. We're gonna kinda look at the story of Joseph today as he wrestled with so much, uh, so many ups and downs in his life, and I'm sure at times felt like a whole lot more downs than ups. If you know the story of Joseph, he is in the book of Genesis, about the last quarter to third of the book of Genesis, Covers his story as he comes into the world as the the youngest of twelve and would eventually be thirteen. There would be one more after him, but he comes in as the youngest of of twelve, and he is um, not liked by his siblings. In Genesis chapter thirty seven, uh, it makes no bones about it that his father Jacob sees him as the beloved son, right? Because he had him in his old age, is what he says, and it also was from the wife he was hoping he loved the most, his wife. Rachel, yes, Jacob did have favorites. He loved one of his wives more than the other. And this was the son that she finally gave him. He loved him so much that he made this ornate kind of a robe for him, this very special, spectacular robe. You may have heard it called a coat of many colors in in another Another translation. But but he made this for him because he wanted him to know that he loved him very much. And he wanted everybody else to know that he loved him very much. Joseph was also fortunate that he was given grand dreams from God. God had said, look, I'm going to lift you up, and I'm actually going to put you in charge over all of your older brothers. And speaking as someone who was an older brother, I don't know how well that would have gone over with me if my younger brother had told me, I had a dream, man, and I'm going to run your world when this is over. I don't know how I would have handled it, but Joseph's brothers didn't handle it well. And Joseph seemed to struggle knowing when he should or shouldn't tell people these things. He clearly should not, and his his father yelled at him for it, should not have told his brothers about these dreams, but he did. Guy couldn't, clearly could not read a room, but he didn't, he told them. And so they were like, dude, we're done with you. So they plotted to kill him. That was their response. Plot to kill your own brother. They see him coming across the field one day as he's trying to find them. He's going to chase them. You know, the, the little brother that's trying to find all the older siblings, whatever fun they're having, and be involved with them. They see him coming, and they're like, Sheesh, here comes that spoiled brat again. Well, let's take him out. Let's let's plot to kill him. Let's th- throw him in a pit and let him die. And, and the oldest brother, Reuben, says, I don't think that's a good idea. But he doesn't try to stop them. He says we're just going to throw him in a pit, right? And and he plans to sneak and come back later and pull him out. One of his other brothers, Judah, says, you, you know what? You're right. We shouldn't kill him. It's not necessary for us to have his blood on our hands. How about if we just sell him, right? How about if we just sell him off to the highest bidder? What ends up happening is they, they do. They throw him in a pit and then they, they find someone who's willing to buy him and take him away to Egypt. And To cover it all up, they decide what they're going to do is is kill a ram and cover Joseph's coat of many colors, or this, this ornate robe that his father had made him, cover it in the ram's blood and take it back to his father, and trick their father Jacob into believing their son, his son, had died. Joseph, through no fault of his own other than maybe saying something out of turn, loses everything he has held Dear, He loses his family. He loses his father that loves him very much. He loses this coat that he made for him. He loses his very identity and his sense of home, and he's drug off as a slave to a foreign land. Although I can't say that that's ever happened to me, and likely hasn't happened to the vast majority, if not all, of the people watching this, um, I do think we can relate to the idea that There are times in life where things feel like they've just kind of bottomed out, like everything you've been building is falling apart. And it can be very easy to kind of um, really let that take away our hope, our sense of hope. Joseph doesn't just hit bottom, though. He kind of bounces along the bottom like he can never get to the surface, like he can never get back to the top, so he can truly breathe freely again like he's always going to be drowning or suffocating in his life in fact in genesis chapter 39 we find out that he's been made a servant of potiphar the the captain of the pharaoh's guard and he's been put in his house he's been put in charge of his home and and on the one hand he would go great at least he's not you know um in the worst of the worst jobs, at least he's in, in charge of Potiphar's home because he's seen the, the good that has come to his home with Joseph in charge. In fact, Genesis 39 verse five says that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because Joseph was present. And just when things are looking up, right? As, as the life has kind of made the turn though, Potiphar's wife decides Joseph's kind of cute and says, I want you to come sleep with me. Literally, that's what she says. Hey, Hey, he's like, no. I work for your husband. He's given me charge of everything else in his house. He worries for nothing. And the only thing he's told me I need to stay away from is you. It would be disrespectful and wrong. But she doesn't like being rebuffed and accuses him of doing something to her. Because of the hubbub made, Potiphar grabs Joseph and has him thrown in prison. So just when things were beginning to look up, here comes again, something that's no the, no fault of his own. Joseph ends up in prison again. After he'd been in prison for a couple of years, he becomes the head of the prisoners. And we see that uh, in chapter thirty nine verse twenty three it says "The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and the Lord made everything that he did successful successful in prison that That's not a sentence you hear every day and and if you were to find yourself in prison, it would be you'd be hard pressed or at least I would be hard pressed to see anything I was doing as successful. I think God has allowed Joseph and helped Joseph to see something that that most of us struggle with because we're very much tied to our physical world, to our circumstances. And, and we can pretty quickly become prisoners of our own circumstances. Let, let me give you an example. If, it, if you're a prisoner of your past, right, of something you've said that you shouldn't have said or done or made a mistake. Um, Joseph telling his brothers um, about his dreams, clearly bad idea, right? Um, But maybe it's something that's happened to you as Joseph was thrown in a pit and sold just for existing, frankly. And because the people didn't like what he said, but you can make we can allow that past, what, what we've done before, what's been done to us to define who we are and limit who God would want us to be. It creates this this sense of guilt um, that God desires us to, to, to not be held over us or held on to us like a weight to keep us from breathing. He, he sent his son for a reason to give us an opportunity so that those things would not burden us for the rest of our lives. Maybe you're a prisoner of your present, or you can't seem to feel like you can't seem to get a get a, get that clean breath you need. Like you're kind of bouncing along the bottom. When things just start to go positively, something else comes along and drags you back down. Maybe in your life you feel like you're you're being dealt a bad hand, and and the truth is maybe you are. As Jesus even tells his disciples, uh, "Rain falls upon the just." And the unjust. The notion there would be is that sometimes good things happen to bad people, and sometimes bad things happen to good people. Um, life doesn't isn't fair per se, and we can have a whole other discussion of what fair looks like. Because fair, truthfully, I think is is a, a misnomer because it's in the eye of the beholder maybe you're a prisoner of your future maybe you're someone who's so anxious about what could happen or what might happen or the what ifs in life or you're afraid to lie ahead that it paralyze of what lies ahead that you it paralyzes you right maybe you know they say that when you're you're frightened you have one of two responses you you fight or are or you flee fight or flight but i think there's a third i think the third one is freeze. When we don't know how things are going, we just kind of stand pat and hope that, th- that the, the horrible things that are going on will pass us by and not take us out along with it. Joseph seems to be able to find success in the midst of his circumstances, seems to be able to find success and find freedom, frankly, regardless of his circumstances. And I really believe it's because he chooses to be a prisoner of hope, Instead of a prisoner of those circumstances, he chooses to believe that God has got his back. It's a hard thing to do at times, but the truth is, he does. The prophet Zechariah would be speaking to the people of Israel in Zechariah 9, verses 11-12. He says, as for you, because of the blood of your covenant, that's the, the covenant, the connection, the relationship that they have with God. He says, I will release your prisoners from this waterless cistern, this this deep dark place with no flowing water and and nothing to sustain you. It says, I will return to a stronghold, you prisoners who have hope. Return to the fortress that would be the Lord. Return to him as your safety. And today I declare that I will restore double to you. And so Zechariah and and Joseph alike both seem to know that If we want to make it through this life and never lose hope, the only place to look for it is in God. He has it where no one else does. When Joseph's in prison, we see him come across the cupbearer and the baker, and and God uh, interprets some dreams for him. In Genesis chapter 40, verse 8, the cupbearer and a baker who are in prison with him Come to him, and they say we had these dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph says something very clear. He says, "Don't, don't. Interpretations belong to God. As though the, the cupbearer and the baker are looking for people to figure out their problems. But Joseph is 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 like that's really not how this works. It's God who's going to figure out your problems. It's not a politician. It's not even. It's not um, our circumstances. It's not even me." right? I can't even figure out my own stuff sometimes. It's, it's God who's going to deliver us. I can't always deliver myself from the difficulties of life. We like to think we are. And I think it's one of the reasons we get frustrated by our circumstances and we lose hope is because something is outside of our power to fix. When the truth is, there's a whole lot in the world that's outside of our power to fix, but whose power it's in, it's God's. It's God to carry him. He does the same thing to Pharaoh after one of the one of the cupbearer actually is released from prison. Because and and Joseph predicted that in the dream, or God predicted that in the dream, and Joseph interpreted it as God told him to do. He says the same thing to Pharaoh. He says, I'm not able to interpret your dreams, Pharaoh, because Pharaoh wants that too. It says, and he says in chapter 41, verse 16: it says, It is God who will give. Pharaoh, the favorable answer. It's God who's in charge. Joseph then becomes second in command in all of Egypt because God was with him and interpreted his dreams. He's in charge of the, the food storage, and he's in charge, and he's clothed in linen garments and even given the Pharaoh's second chariot. He's been given a station in life again all of a sudden. And and if you or I were in his position, we might start to think, okay. Things are finally looking up. I can finally breathe. It's not the end of the world anymore. I have reason to hope again. But I really do believe a lot of this happened. The positives happened because he never gave up hope to begin with. See, Joseph was able to breathe in the midst of his circumstances no matter what because he's a prisoner of hope and not those circumstances he knew and believed with all of who he was that God was going to get him through, that God had a plan, right? What a witness it is to the sovereignty of God that he could endure all of these things. And, and I got to tell you, I went through the scriptures several times as I was prepping this message to look for places where Joseph cried out to the Lord and said, I'm done, I can't make it, I can't do it, I'm out of hope, there's nothing left for me. And they're not there. There's one place in Genesis chapter 45 where the brothers say, "You know, he looked kind of distressed when we threw him in a pit, you think?" But there's no place where Joseph ever loses hope. Joseph ho- Joseph's hope is maintained regardless of these circumstances. He believes and he knows he never cries out for help and that doesn't mean it's not a it's wrong to cry out for help david in the psalms does it repeatedly so clearly there's precedent for that but but date but joseph joseph has found a way to maintain his hope through all of it through everything and i really do believe it's a laser like focus on the call that god has on his life in genesis 42 the past comes back to get Joseph. He, when he's again, when he's on this the top of the mountain, right? He's in charge of everything in in, the, in all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. His brothers suddenly show back up looking for food, and all the memories come flooding back. He doesn't trust his brothers, and do you blame them? They're <laughs> right. They sold him off as a slave, and his brothers come begging for food, and he. Says, look, I don't believe you when they say they have a younger brother. Remember, I said there was one more that came after Joseph, Benjamin. They don't, he doesn't believe them. But he gets to watch in Genesis 44, he gets to watch how his brothers have changed because he gave them a chance to redeem themselves. He sees that his brother Judah, you know, the one that sold him off, says, no, I, I, will, I will stay here. And 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 you can keep me as a prisoner forever. Just don't enslave my youngest brother. These are the brothers that before had been willing to off their youngest brother. Now are saying no. This would be too hard for my father to bear. I I I want to save my youngest brother no matter what. And then in Genesis chapter forty-five, verses four through eight. Joseph reveals to his brothers because they didn't recognize him. I mean, he'd grown up. It'd been 15 years since they threw him in that pit. He's now wearing Pharaoh's garbs and and looks very Egyptian, right? And so they didn't recognize him. He's a a different person now. But in Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 through 8, Joseph reveals the source of his hope. He says to his brothers, he says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near him. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves. He tells them, don't feel guilty for this, which is mind boggling, right? Wouldn't wouldn't you want somebody who did this to you to feel guilty for this? He says, no, don't feel guilty or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. God had this plan in mind the whole time. And even the evil that you were doing to me for your own benefit, God knew was going to happen and God was going to work it out. Even when life is chasing you down like the dog with the knife in that video, God still has a plan for how this is all going to end up. It probably won't end up the way you think it's going to. I guarantee you when Joseph had those dreams, he was not thinking This is how it's going to end up. These are all the ups and downs. I'm going to end up in Egypt. Holy cow. He didn't see any of this coming. But he believed that if God said it would be good, it would be okay, that it would be. He goes on in verse 6 of chapter 45 and says, For the famine, this famine, his brothers have come to beg for food to survive this famine. It says this, this famine has been in the land these two years and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. In other words, this famine's going to keep going. In verse 7, he says again, he repeats what he said before. He says, God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh. Lord of his entire household and ruler over the land of Egypt. Joseph waited 35 years of his life, give or take, for that plan to come to fruition. Through all the ups and downs, right? And when it's all said and done, he gets to see how God is unveiling, revealing to him The plan that was in place all along and all he had to do to see it, to see it come to fruition, was not give up hope. Now that's no easy task. Right now we're studying with our teenagers in the book of Exodus, and that is the story of God's people repeatedly giving up hope. And as a result, an entire generation misses out on seeing the promised land. They wander in the desert for 40 years on what really should have been, if it had been a straight shot, would have been an 11-day journey. They miss out on it because they gave up hope. I want to encourage you today that no matter what your circumstances are, no matter where you are in life, the thing you need to hold on is hope. The belief that God loves you, that God is with you, that God will redeem you, that God will restore you, that God will carry you to where he wants you to go, and all you have to do is trust him to get you there. Will it look like you think it's going to look? No. Will it be difficult at times? Yes. Will it challenge every fiber of your being at times? Yes. But is it worth it? A thousand times yes. A thousand times yes. The verse that we're going to kind of hang our hats on all year this year, I believe, is is Romans chapter 12, verse 12. It says, rejoice in your hope. Be patient in your affliction, just as Joseph was patient in his affliction. And be persistent in prayer, that that thing that connects us with God and gives us one-on-one time with him so that we can see his heart and mind and we can be settled into a peaceful time and connection with him, even in the midst of horrid circumstances. It's that relationship that will carry us. It's that belief that God is with us, and it's not misplaced, and it's not a blind faith. It's a faith that comes from knowing what God has done, everything that he's ever given us in our lives. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, if you have money or power or status today, it is due to the century and the place in which you were born, to your talents and your capacities and your health, none of which you earned. In short, all your resources are in the end a gift from God. And God has gifted you with more than you could possibly imagine. He's gifted you with life. And the truth is, he sent his son so that we might have the gift of life eternal with him. Don't give up hope. The Lord will carry you. He will take you where he wants you to go. You just got to stick with him. You just got to trust him. If you need help doing that, would love for you to type a message in. One of our people will get to you. Send us an email. Give us a call. We would love to help you find the hope that we have that the Lord will get us there because he is our savior. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. He be gracious to you. May he grant you favor. May he give you peace. God bless.